Good morning, church. Good morning. The, uh, the, new, the New Traditions Band um, thinks that I should welcome you to the neighborhood and put on my sweater and act a bit more like Mr. Rogers, yes, but um, maybe, maybe next week I'll do that. Um, welcome to worship this morning, wherever you may be gathered. I hope you come in expectation um, of God's presence. I invite you, I know some of you have already been checking in and um, saying hello and good morning to those who are online. I invite you uh, to click on one of those emojos or emojis, as the, you, you people say, um, that you uh, like the worship or uh, love the church, uh, whatever uh, you might do, so that we know um, that you are there and that others know that you are there. And, and I invite us now uh, to allow ourselves to begin to focus on God's presence among us. I hope that you come in expectation and anticipation of experiencing Christ's presence anew and afresh. I hope you come in expectation that wherever we are gathered, that the Spirit is present, speaking to us, continuing to shape us and form us so that we might be the people God calls us and intends us to be. Let us join our voices together as we sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Good morning again. As we uh, prepare for prayer, I just wanted to uh, say a few things um, in this time that we have been using for family time. First of all, I want to thank folks who responded to the email that went out yesterday, the update, uh, that also invited you to give us feedback on 
where you are and your readiness to um, join together in in-person worship again. Um, and so I invite you to continue to do that. And um, if you even want to respond um, on Facebook today, that would be great too, to let us know. If you are ready or if you want to wait or those kinds of things, it would be helpful to know. But I thought today um, it might be good for us in this time as um, we begin to talk about, as there's much talk about reopening and getting back to normal, whatever that might look like, that it might be good for us just to take a deep breath. You see, because one of the things that I have noticed in folks' interaction with each other on Facebook and even out in public is I have known how it seems as if we're getting a little bit impatient with each other. It seems more and more I see the folks who are just ready to go back to how things were um, looking at the folks who aren't quite so ready and um, shaming them or not saying very nice things about such folks. Uh, and I see the same thing on the other side. The folks who are concerned about getting out, uh, saying things about those who uh, are ready to get out and about and begin to open things up so that we can see how this pandemic uh, spreads or if indeed we have slowed it enough that we can begin uh, to do a few more normal things. And so I just want to encourage us to take a deep breath, to think about the things that we are saying and sharing uh, together on Facebook or in person. Um, let's not assume that everyone who wants to open up their business so that they can uh, put food on the table, uh, let's not assume that they don't care about the lives of other people. And, and let's also not assume that those who um, just aren't ready for things to open up are, are just want uh, people to lose their jobs and their houses and to starve to death and, and just don't trust God enough. Let us, in this time... Be patient with one another, seeking to hear each other, uh, seeking to um, listen to God, and continuing to pray for our healthcare workers, uh, for all of us as we uh, build this airplane in the midst of um, this pandemic that we have never experienced. Let us show grace to one another as we come together and simply try to work out what might be in the best interest of all. And so I invite you to have patience with, um, with the staff and with the leadership team as we begin discussions on how to do in-person worship safely and effectively for those who are really uh, just need to be in a group and are tired of isolation. Take a deep breath. Know that God is with us in the midst of this. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we gather in worship this day, may we know your presence. We ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for the times this week when we have been hateful and hurtful to other people. We ask, Lord, that you will Forgive us for the times that we have been impatient with those in our own household. We ask, Lord, that you will forgive us for those times this week when we have failed to do what you have called us to do, or where we have done things that we know that you would prefer that we had not done. Lord, give us sense of peace and a sense of calm, a sense of your spirit's presence, so that we go forth into the next week, that we might repeat this, that we might not repeat the same mistakes that we made in the previous week. Give us um, a, a patience with one another. Enable us to share the grace and the love that you have given us with those around us as we all seek to learn and to move forward. Most of all, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord, that we would be bearers of good news, 
that we would look and we would see your presence even in the midst of this pandemic and in, in the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty that we would see and celebrate your presence at work. We thank you for the places where you have been at work this week, for the lives that you have touched, for the folks that you have sent out into ministry, uh, for the birth of new children, for those who have been sick, who have been healed, for those who have experienced your presence in the midst of grief and loss. We thank you. In Christ's name, amen. And now let us join our voices together as we sing, Build Your Kingdom. Come seek to rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wine.
Well, we're in our second week at taking a look at some common platitudes that we often repeat um, and treat as if uh, they are fact and the truth. Uh, Last week, we took a look at uh, this uh, saying that we often use, uh, everything happens for a reason. And we acknowledged as we looked at that, yes, everything does happen for a reason, but it's not necessarily because of God. Sometimes bad things happen because of our own foolishness. And we learned that what Scripture does say is that despite circumstances, that God is with us and that God never abandons us. This week, we're going to take a closer look at another platitude. It is, uh, again, a phrase that we use often. It is probably the one I like the least, as uh, Kobe and Don can tell you. Um, I cringe when um, I hear this phrase used and it's been banned from the office, right? Okay. Um, this, uh, This idea or this saying that God has a plan for our life. Now, there may be many of you who are like, what is the pastor's problem? What do you mean that that has been banned from the office? Are you telling us God doesn't have a plan for our life? Well, yes and no. It depends on what you mean when you use that phrase. But I think often when folks say God has a plan for your life, it's used in a couple of different contexts. It's used often um, in place of um, everything happens for a reason. I guess we get tired of that one. And so when something bad happens to somebody else, uh, we say something like, don't worry. It's part of God's plan for your life or God has a plan for your life. You'll see how he'll use this as a part of his plan for your life. Now, we also use it in another context. We we sometimes use it um, in reference to our own lives. We sometimes use it um, when we're looking to make a big decision about where to move or what job to take or where to go to school or, or something like that. We often talk about either seeking to find God's will or seeking to discover God's plan for our life as if we are worried that if we make the wrong decision, we'll no longer be following this blueprint that God has for our life. And so we talk about uh, God having a plan for our life and our need to, to find and discover this path. Now, now my real issue with this, I I do believe that God has a purpose for our lives. My real issue with this is often when we talk uh, about God having a plan for our life, what we mean is that God has a blueprint for our life. God has planned every detail of our life, um, I guess down to the uh, what we had for breakfast this morning, if you listen to some folks. We get this idea that that God has this blueprint for our lives, this detailed, very specific plan that we are supposed to follow. Or if you're like some people, we just assume that whatever we did is a part of God's plan. and, And we talk about God's plan as if it's been predetermined what we will do and there's nothing we can do uh, to do anything differently. And we talk about God's plan in the context of, well, that must have been part of God's plan for my life because it happened. Folks, such an idea is not Christianity, but that is fatalism, the idea that whatever is going to happen in the world will happen in the world regardless of what I do or regardless of what somebody else does, that's what we call fatalism, not Christianity. God, I don't believe, has a blueprint for our lives. And would we really want a blueprint? I mean, think about it now. A blueprint, the way a blueprint works, if you're familiar with blueprints, is if you don't go by the blueprint, if you build a building and you deviate from the blueprint, you risk the whole building falling down. One small mistake could cause the whole building to come crashing down. Is that indeed how God operates in the world? 
Well, I want to suggest that we might find some answers if we take a look at Scripture. And I would like to read a passage from Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Uh, this is a, a parable that Jesus uh, told uh, to his disciples. And so beginning in verse 24 of chapter 13, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in the field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. And when the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the landowner, they came and they said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? And the landowner responded, An enemy has done this. But the, uh, and so the servant said, Well, do you want us to go and gather them up and, and, and pull them out? And the landowner said, Nope. Because if you gather the weeds, you might pull up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow side by side until the harvest. And at that time, I will say to the harvest, first gather the weeds and then gather the wheat into my barn. Those with ears to hear, hear the word of God this day. Notice in this parable that the landowner who is supposed to represent God, at least that's how I understand the parable. And in fact, later in that same chapter, Jesus unpacks this particular parable for the disciples. And he says the landowner is God. The landowner has planted these good seeds. And when they're not looking... Someone else comes along and plants seeds that give rise to weeds. Notice that the landowner in this parable does not say when they come and they say, how did this happen? The, the landowner doesn't say, don't worry, it's a part of my plan. I wanted those weeds there, and so while you weren't looking, I planted weeds along with the good wheat. There is no suggestion in this parable uh, that the landowner or that, the, that, that God, that the weeds were a part of the plan. And in fact, what we see then, so then the servants say, well, then we better get rid of the weeds, right? We better get rid of these if they aren't a, a part of, of how you intended the garden to be. And God says, well, we're going to shift the game plan a little bit because now we have these weeds. Rather than digging the weeds up and risking um, taking out some of the good wheat, we're just going to let them grow side by side until they reach maturity. Now, I don't know how we read this passage and other passages and think that God has a blueprint for our lives. I don't know how we think that everything that happens in our life is a part of God's plan and detailed uh, specific for us when we hear this. No, God says an enemy must have planted the weeds. They are not a part of my good intentions. Now, I don't know about you, but that is good news, I think. Not because the weeds are there, but because when I look around at the world, I cannot believe that God wants everything that is happening in the world to happen as it is. And so this story gives me uh, this sense of knowing, no, the world is in fact not as God intended it to be. There are forces at work against God's will, against God's purposes. And so to me, that is a good news. The other part of the good news is to know that God continues to work toward his purposes, that the weeds in the field are not going to deter him from taking in the harvest. Do you hear the good news in that this day? You see, it seems to me that that when we say, I'm okay if you want to say God has a plan, if you mean, in essence, that God has a game plan, but not a blueprint. Because I think that is true. God does have a purpose 
over and over and over in Scripture we see that. But it is important, I think, for us not to talk about God having a blueprint. Again, like everything happens for a reason, it can have a negative impact on the lives and the faith of everyone. It can also sometimes paralyze us when we have a big decision to make and we get overly concerned about trying to make sure we don't take a misstep. Because I think it seems to me like God gives us much flexibility in deciding how to live faithful to his calling in this world. It's possible that God doesn't really care which job you take. I know some of you are probably like pulling your hair out, maybe even screaming that the pastor could say such a thing. But I think that it is true. You see, I do not think that God has a blueprint for our lives. But I do think that God has a purpose. And I promised you I would tell you what God's purpose is for your life, right? And so I just want, how is it that we know what God's purpose is? I really like this idea of God's purpose or plan in terms of a game plan. You see, when you, when you know the game plan in football, it's to get the, get the ball across the end zone, right? Or to keep the other team from getting the ball. You know that if the play doesn't go exactly like it was drawn up, you still need to move toward that purpose and that goal. But here's the problem. If you don't read the playbook, then you don't even know what the game plan is. You see, if we want to know what God's purpose for our lives are, we have to read the playbook. We have to be familiar with God's word and God's story and how God has worked in the past and how God worked through Jesus and how God works in the presence. There's plenty of scriptures that help us understand what God's purpose is. Let me just read a few. Micah 6, 6 through 8. What should, uh, with what should I approach the Lord and bow down before God on high? Should I come before him with entirely burned offerings, with year-old calves? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams, with many torrents of oil? Should I give my oldest child for the crime, the fruit of my body, for the sin of the spirit? And the prophet says, he, God, has told you, human one, what is good. What the Lord requires from you is to do justice, to embrace faithful love, and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. In Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writes, beginning in verse 15, So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's plan, the Lord's will, don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to the Lord for everything. Do everything in the name of the Lord and submit to each other out of respect for Christ. And then in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So brothers and sisters... Because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. You see, there are scripture after scripture that Tell us what God's purpose for our lives are. God wants us to participate in justice. God wants us to be compassionate toward one another. God wants us to walk humbly with, with Christ. God wants us to live wisely and to be filled with the Spirit, to give thanks, to rejoice, to pray, to be kind and patient with one another. 
These are the things and the purposes that God has for our life. God wants us to be transformed, uh, wants us to once again live out of the image of God that has been planted within us and to allow that image of Christ to shine through our lives. God wants us to live in union with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and each other over and over and over again in Scripture. In the playbook, God makes it clear what his purpose is. And so I find it ironic. I find it ironic that, that when it comes to making a major decision, uh, we, we fret over what God wants us to do. We pray and we ask God to show us a direction and what job to take or what school to go to. Now, now don't get me wrong, it's, it's always good to take those things to God. Uh, yet, I, I see how some folks fret about that, and, and, and they don't ever fret about their everyday life. You see, if we want to live according to the purposes of God, we'll read the playbook, and we will obey and put into practice those things that God has already shown us are a part of His, His will and His purposes. We will put those into practice in our everyday lives. And I don't know about you, but I have found that when I put those things into practice in the small things and in the everyday life, when it comes to major decisions, I have a much greater sense of peace that God is present in that decision. And that regardless of that decision, God will be present in me working to bring about His good purposes. See, God invites us uh, to know the playbook, to put into practice those things that we already know. And I think part of understanding God's purpose is sometimes we just need to relax. We need to relax and not worry that God um, has every detail of our life that we're supposed to do exactly this or exactly that. We need to relax and realize God has given us much freedom. You see, I don't think in most instances that God cares whether or not you live in Cameron, Missouri, or whether you live in St. Louis, Missouri. What God cares about is how you live your life wherever you are. Sometimes I don't think God cares in particular what job that we are working. As long as we do that job and we work, and how we work in that job, and how we honor God through what we do. And I certainly don't think that God has one man or woman out there that we are supposed to marry, and if we miss the boat, tough luck, we get second or third, third choice. I think what God is more interested in is whether or not we are the best spouse we can be to the one whom we are married to. I don't know, when I read Scripture, that seems to be clear to me. You see, God has a purpose and a game plan for our lives. He spelled it out. It's not hard to find. It's not elusive. And so we need to stop talking as if God has this blueprint, this exact, direct, specific things that we are supposed to do and fret over those. And instead, we ought to be fretting about whether or not we're reading the game plan, and living our daily lives in accordance with, with what God has already revealed to us. And the good news is, when we get it wrong, when we take a misstep, when we sow weeds, God is patient. And God creates new possibilities and new paths forward so that his good purposes indeed might continue. His good purposes that more and more people might be brought into union with Father and Son and Holy Spirit and with his body here on earth. That more and more people might connect with God and each other might grow in their faith and their relationship with God and each other and might go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the lives of other people. May we embrace that purpose and may we live it each and every day.
Amen. And now I invite you, as we prepare our hearts for communion, uh, let us uh, join in this song or listen as New Tradition Band um, plays and sings Remembrance. Now I invite you, I attempted to post this liturgy online, but I don't think I was successful. Um, I invite you um, 
to focus on God as we prepare our hearts for communion, I invite you to um, have your bread and your cup ready as we, um, as we share together in this uh, communion, knowing that despite the fact that we may be separated physically, that God draws us together as part of his kingdom community and part of his body. In uh, the Gospel of Luke, we hear that on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he gave himself up for us, that he had supper with his disciples. And while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks and he, he broke the loaf of bread and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And likewise, after the supper, he took the drink, uh, the cup, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, drink from this, all of you, this, this uh, cup it is um, a cup of the new covenant of my blood, which was poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink. And by doing this, Jesus declared that from his death, God would bring new life, new hope, and new creation. And so part of what we do when we celebrate communion is we don't just remember what God has done, and we don't just remember of the future promises, but we know that in the midst of life that God continues to bring resurrection life and new hope and new creation. Through Jesus, we know that God, that God knows us, that God cherishes us, and that God loves us. Through Jesus, we believe and trust that God is faithful and true. And so people are invited to, to, to break this bread and, and share this cup and to receive them, not because we have to, but because we may. Not because we are worthy, but because we are hungry for God's presence and God's presence in our lives, not because we are ready, but because we are thirsty to know more about God and God's ways. We come because Christ invites us, saying, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Whoever comes to me will never be driven away. Just as Jesus took the, the bread and the cup and he gave thanks before sharing it, we also give thanks this day. And so I invite you to participate in this, um, this great thanksgiving. And when you hear me say, with all our heart, I want you to respond, we praise you and thank you. Let us offer this up to God. Holy One, Holy Three, Spirit, Son, and Father, you unfolded time and space and created us to love and to be loved, to live on this earth and to tend to it for your glory. And so with all of our heart, we praise you and thank you. Holy One, Holy Three, author, word, and breath. You chose your covenant people and you revealed yourself as being holy, incomparable, uh, and uh, elusive. You, you revealed yourself as being liberator, judge, compassionate, forgiving, loving. And so with all of our heart, we praise you and thank you. Holy One, Holy Three, lover, beloved, and energy of love. You became human in Jesus whose love goes beyond our limits and our understanding, reaching out to good and bad alike and calling us to practice peace and mercy and kindness, calling us to forgive as we have been forgiven and to love even our enemies. With all our heart, we praise you and thank you. Holy One and Holy Three, giver, given, and gifting. As we share this bread and cup, we remember how Jesus died for us, how he bore our sins in his body, how he de defeated the powers of sin and bondage, and he lives among us here and now. With all our heart, we, we praise you and, and thank, thank you. you. Holy Spirit, power and presence of the Holy Three, the Holy One. Make this gift of bread and cup. Make them our communion in the body and blood of Christ. Make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world with all our heart. We, we praise you and thank you. And now I invite you to hold up the cup and the bread that you have. 
And I am going to trust that the Holy Spirit is active and present where you are. And so I just ask God that you would pour out your spirit upon the folks who are, who are gathered together virtually this day. That you would pour out your spirit upon the bread and upon the cup. That it might be for them the body and blood of Christ. So that they may be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Enabled to go forth and to imitate him and to live and to love and to make a difference in the lives of other people. Indeed, pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts this day, that as we partake, that we might experience Jesus' presence afresh and anew. And now I invite you to break off a piece of the bread. Um, if, you're, if you're as a family, I invite you to um, hand it to each other and to uh, hold the cup and, and to serve each other. Christ awaits us. In the midst of this mystery, he reveals himself to us. I invite you, receive the bread and the cup this day. Living God, Holy One, Holy Three, thank you for feeding us at this virtual table this day. As we depart, keep us close to you, trusting in your love, bearing the good news of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Let us join our voices together as we sing Trust and Obey.
John and Cindy, are you still watching? There is table talk tonight, and I will send you a link for that. Um, John David invites the rest of you to join us for table talk, to dig a little bit deeper in how we use this, um, this phrase, God has a plan, and see instead how God has a purpose for our life. If you are interested in participating, uh, simply type in, send me a link, or send me a text and an email, and I'll be sure you get a link so that you can join in our Zoom table talk as we dig deeper into God's Word, seeking to understand and to put into practice His purposes. And now I invite you, um, having heard the Word of God, having experienced the presence of the Spirit, go forth to put into practice those things that God has shown us. For indeed, the only way to be happy and to experience the fullness of resurrection life is to trust and obey, and to live in communion with God. Go in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit this day. Amen.